Hello and welcome to another episode of the BDX Podcast. I'm your host Gary. Today a very special episode, one of the panellists from BDX, you all know him, Grant Ruxton, the director of Boy Digital, recently did a talk at Michael Page breakfast seminar event here in Glasgow, all about digital marketing in Scotland. We were very lucky enough to attend the event and recorded the whole thing just for you to listen. So if you want some marketing tips about what it's like to be a digital marketer, give this a go. Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks for coming along. So basically we have half an hour from bacon rolls, um, and some pretty good copy to blueprint the blueprint the digital success of Scotland in the future. So let's get started. Um, quick, quickly, a little bit about me. Um, I'm the director and co-founder of Boy Digital. We're an international search engine optimization agency. We work in some of the other digital channels. In the past, I've also worked client side and sort of well before the days of digital. Sort of, marketing marketing and then as digital marketing became a thing and now all marketing essentially is digital look at digital elements so that's why I'm up here and not some tramp off the street. Um, to get started to give us a little bit of an an overview why is this so important? Why is this something we should be thinking about and why do we need to really, really focus on how we approach digital and how we continue to develop digital as decision makers, as business owners, as professionals within Scottish business. What was it like to work in Scotland a hundred years ago? It was not really, we're talking shipyards, we're talking muck in the streets, and it took basically 70 or 80 years, almost a hundred years to go from digging up tatties and building ships um, to the 80s and 90s where we've got television and marketing, business begins to change, things become much more service-led. So. It, Proportionally speaking, that was a lot of time for quite a big change, but let's look at the change in the last uh, the last 20 years. What was Martin like 20 years ago? TV adverts were everything, newspaper adverts were everything, radio was very much sort of cut and dry. Um, I worked in publishing um, towards the start of my career, and when I started in publishing, this is probably sort of what was Martin like more than 10 years ago. But to produce a magazine, there was a room of guys, five guys with Apple Macs the size of a house, and it took five or six guys pretty much all month to produce one magazine. Fast forward, um, fast forward, so probably five or six years, it took one guy and one Apple Mac to produce that same magazine. So it's the speed things are moving. Um, what was digital marketing like 10 years ago? Again, I worked in for nightclubs, if any here remembers the shack, Bamboo's still going, but for the shack in Bamboo, our digital marketing was a website, our social media was a PHP forum, our shack chatters, um, and we invented the electronic guest list in Glasgow where you emailed in and you get into the club for free. That was only a little over 10 years ago, and now we've got Facebook, WhatsApp, it's a completely different world, so things are moving so quickly. I'm not even talking about this, the advent of apps, smartphones, it's, it, what we're saying here is the pace is just frenetic and it's increasing. So how do we cope with this pace? How do we get ready? As people that have been about for a while, I've seen some of these changes, how do we really steady ourselves and make sure we're, as businesses in Scotland, as a nation, are in the best possible position going forward? Um, what's some of the challenges of keeping up? And this graphic here shows 
this isn't even all to just some of the sort of the social media platforms that kind of stood the test of time. And there's maybe 30 things in that. So how do you pick a winner? How do you know? How do you pick what you put your resources in? Bring up that expertise and what if you spend time, money, resources into something like Foursquare, which looked like it was going to be a big winner a few years ago. And now does anyone even use it? It's very, very tough. Um, again, people in Scotland, although we were perhaps a bit of an oddity in the world, Bebo was the social network, Facebook came out, all the Bebo users were like, Facebook, come on, look at Facebook now, how do we prepare ourselves and hedge our bets and learn all these things? And MySpace is going, what's that? It's arguably one for the future. Everyone is using it just now, it's something for a one billion or two billion valuation. But all it is is sending messages, essentially text messages where you can send pictures and groups and little videos. The reason it's got that valuation is the amount of time people spend on it every day. The average WhatsApp user is something like 74 touch points with WhatsApp every day. So it's a classic sort of digital marketing thing. People use this so much, there must be money in, in it somewhere. No idea where that money is yet, but let's put a, a billion dollar price tag on it. Um, what else are we, cha are we challenged? Google algorithm changes for search engine optimization. Google change it all the time. It's got, it's not get harder if we as a company have sort of stood by the same principles for the last sort of five or six years. So it's actually been easier for us, but Google has got better and better at weeding out the spam and something, because you've got to keep up with it, because something that worked five years ago, that was perfectly quite hard and acceptable five years ago, either won't work at all now, or it might even be dangerous now. It's that speed of change. Um, looking at some of the other channels, PPC, everyone, you'll hear like people talk about the Google algorithm changing all the time and how difficult it is and unfair it is. And just as a on I mean, side notes as to how quickly Google, the algorithm changes and how difficult it is. 26, it's probably more than that now actually, 26 companies that Google own have been penalised by Google search engine in the last few years. So Google can't even keep up with Google. Um, it's crazy, but people always talk about search engine optimization algorithm but in the PPC ecosystem. In one year, in the last year, there have been over 2,000 changes to that PPC ecosystem. That includes the way the ads are displayed. This is roughly how ads are displayed today. This was mid-2000s. Completely different kind of fashion. They change this all the time, and quite often they change it without telling us. So, in terms of the, sort of the learning aspect that we're going to go on to talk about, you need people focused in this, learning all the time, and you can't stand still because it will change. Um, what else is coming? The internet of things. Who's got an Apple Watch on? Or a Fitbit one? Anybody? No one is willing to admit it. Um, very vaguely, that's internet of things. Is now the internet started off in computers, then went to laptops, now everyone's got it on their phone, now kettles, watches, heating systems are all hooked up for digital growth and opportunity in the future. There's going to be a lot happening in that space. If you can produce software or marketing campaigns that, don't ask me how you deliver a marketing campaign through a kettle, but I'm sure it's going to be possible in the next few years with the internet of things, that's the way it's going. So it's, it's the brave new world.
Um, this next one, if there's anyone in here that spends a lot of time and money in SEO or PPC, this might put the fear of God into. If it doesn't, it should. Browser agnostic internet. With the advent of apps, a lot of people are spending all their internet time. They never touch Google or they never touch any browsers. They get their Facebook through their Facebook app, they get their news through the BBC app, they can buy their things through the Amazon app. So it's how is that going to change for your business, for your campaigns, if all of a sudden, for the last sort of 10 years, Google 10 degrees, been like shooting fish in a barrel. Everyone uses it. You do your PPC, you do your actual search, you're pretty much going to be okay. But don't get me wrong, I think this is quite a good few years off, but it's worth thinking about and worth taking the lead on now. Are you covered with apps? Are your digital channels? Do you have the ability to reach people? that don't use Google or search engines. Um, so now that we've all kind of had a bit of a scare at how quickly it's going, this is, this is difficult, it's time to retire and become a bin man. What can we do? Um, or what should individuals as decision makers, organisations do and encourage to make sure um, you're ahead of this digital curve. And very simply, um, every day is a school day. There's no, in the days of TV advertising, I get a soap magazine ads when I work in publishing, and you get the same phone call at the same time of month from the same media director from Mediacom, I need two full pages for this act and that act. No problem, done. That media director went back to sleep for the rest of the month. It was, it was that easy. You covered your main magazines, you covered your radio, you covered the telly. And people probably, market professionals, probably that a lot easier life than they do now. Um, but you can't, the minute you stop, even if you were very good at PPC and you just stay in that little space, what it's like five years ago, nothing like it is now. Everyone's got to keep learning. Um, digital education, and learning. you should never stop. Like it says there, adding up a balance sheet hasn't changed much in the last 100 years, but digital marketing has, whether it's the way you optimise your title tags in Google, whether it's the way you build or attract links for natural search, it's all changed, designs changed, um, technologies have come and go, Flash used to be, oh, I've, got, I've just spent 100 grand on a new Flash website, you were the, the king of the castle walking about puffing your chest out, of course no one can see it, Apple comes along basically kills Flash by refusing to show it on the on the Apple mobile devices. It just there's no room to stand still. Um, the key is digital marketing staff must be given the time they must be given the time to learn and they must find the time to learn. So there's a if you're in an organisation where you've got teams of staff, you obviously want the staff to kinda of take a bit of onus to work in their own time to get good at this stuff and advance themselves. But as an organisation and people I've worked with and my own team, it's very important to give people those sort of learning tasks, challenge them, and it can be a bit of fun, it can be a bit of team building, but get them into that sort of learning mindset where they're away, finding out something new, and a, a, a wee example, something that we've done before, it's a Fiverr challenge, like most people probably know the, the website Fiverr.com, you can get a whole host of things in Fiverr, a Friday afternoon at the end of the month, go right, five or challenge, everyone's got $20, come and 
come up with a mini campaign just by using whatever they can come up with in their head, whatever various people on Fiverr can do for five dollars, three and a half quid, and gets people thinking, looking at the other what's um, out there. Um, and of course the beauty of the internet is we're connected worldwide to everyone. Everyone in the world is doing really cool, exciting digital projects. By and large, they're very keen to tell everyone about it, to show off how good and clever they are. And because of the internet, because of social media, it's very easy to find that information. So you can get, encourage your staff to go online and use the internet well. I'm not talking about going on and saying, oh yeah, I'm researching, spend half the time on Facebook, or just reading blog after blog after blog or white paper after white paper and not really getting any productive, anything productive out it. We can sit here in Scotland and use the internet to find out the very best digital marketing that's going on in San Francisco, in, in the Far East, in America, Austin, South by Southwest is on just now. Lots of people are going to be talking about great campaigns they've done, showcasing their talent. So it's very easy as much as it was easier 20, 30 years ago when you booked your TV ads went back to sleep. There's so much cool stuff going on that it's very easy to find out about. You can also find out what your competitors are doing. I'm pretty sure if they've done something really cool digitally, it'll be, they'll either blog about it themselves, or it might be an e-consultancy or a drum magazine. So you can go and take the best bits of what lots of other people are doing, and it's been proven to work, um, and then apply it to your own um, apply to your own business and your own campaigns um, and then taking that to the next level again the social media and the sort of connected world is possible very easy to collaborate globally globally once you've found someone that's doing something really cool you think might work for your business all it is is a tweet or a direct message or an email they love what you're doing we've got some ideas could we work together um, you can have a google hangout a skype video call with them there's no jumping a plane halfway around the world for a meeting that might be a waste of time. You can literally work with these people and people generally are happy to, to share these ideas if you approach them the right way, pay them their dues, give them a bit of respect. They'll be more than happy to help and collaborate. And of course, if you collaborate with the right people, you'll tell more people about it and that can feed back into your digital campaigns. You're getting sort of the credibility of working with these other worldwide digital professionals, you're learning from it um, and you're, um, it's just easy. The internet makes it easy, the internet makes it hard because we've got to keep learning and keep growing, but it also makes it easy because we can speak to experts across the world very quickly with, with minimum, minimum effort. Um, from a sort of staff operational point of view, that learning is key. I mean, we're talking about a degree of specialism, which we haven't really, well, we probably haven't really seen before. Like, <coughs> some, there's so many different strands, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. You could probably sit on Facebook, or there's organic Facebook, and there's paid Facebook. You could have someone in your team that just looks after both of those things. Things like Snapchat is a very sort of popular medium now. And me, as a digital native who's been around, seen loads of things. I don't quite get Snapchat. <laughs> it's that's how quick it's moving, but there's people that I know that are very, very good at using Snapchat. So 
it's about finding people that are expert and giving people enough time to specialise. Because as a digital market manager or a digital sort of um, person, there's just there's just so much now. So you either have to pick what you want to focus on and be really good at, or be prepared to sort of get a big team or use a big portfolio of agencies. Because it, it, it is definitely as a challenge, which unfortunately there's no answer for. I'll throw loads of money at it. Like to find that the right level of specialism to do all these things as well as you possibly can. Um, on the sort of learning front as well, it's maybe a slightly different type of learning required with that sort of decision maker business leader level. Um, I think most people in here are, sort of, are marketing people at quite a high level, so at that sort of level and above, whether it's board or owner level, you still need to learn. You need to be obviously. Probably don't need to know how to place a Facebook marketing pixel and set up three campaigns off the one pixel. But if you, you need to take the time to learn the strategic importance of digital, whether it's marketing campaigns or whether it's what can be achieved by developing new software that will save the company time or make things easier for users, better user experience, or campaigns to get more people to the site and the shop, whatever. Your sort of business school is, um, and that changes the possibilities change around that all the time. And if kind of so, the, the benefit of that is twofold. If you can explain to the ownership and at a board level, here's why we need to embark on these big digital projects, that will give you an advantage. Um, and then also sort of looking back down the way, if you've got sort of, if there's a understanding of the sort of a broad level of digital with a little bit of kind of granular understanding sprinkled in there as well, you'll be able to get more out of your digital teams because they know that they can't pull the wool over your eyes with buzzwords and this. If you are very clear on what you expect and are understanding where digital is not five years ago, not two years ago, now and where it's going, you will get more out of your teams. Um, another thing from a leadership point of view, is don't be afraid to fail with digital. Um, try digital projects. Don't sit there going, oh, no, you know what, we'll just stick to, we'll just make the phone number a little bit bigger in the website because that's always worked for us. Got to, at times, jump in with two feet. And don't be afraid to fail. Not every digital project will work, whether it's an app or a micro, new micro website or a campaign. But, if you approach it from the right way, and rather than taking a goals-orientated approach to digital projects, which would be, we will launch a new app and we will sign up 100,000 users and we'll generate 20,000 pounds a month of revenue, take a systems-based approach. We will develop this new app, we will scope the app to be the best possible app in its field. We will build the app, we will build a team that can build this app that is flexible and will learn about the new technology for apps. We'll launch this app in a good time scale. And if you follow all those systems, even if that app turns out to be a dud, which it does happen, there's no shame in that, you've built a team that can deliver apps quickly. You've built a team that can take instructions. You've built a team that will probably, should hopefully have learned what was good about that process, what wasn't so good at that process. And maybe the next app or the next web project or the next digital campaign, maybe that'll be the winner. Digital's moving so quickly that 
you need to try things. Um, you basically have to keep working in campaigns, working in projects, and learn what works, and then do more of that. If you, you probably can get by just doing what everyone else is doing, but it's all it's all there for the winning with digital because it's moving so quickly. Um, in a nutshell, whether it's at the top of the company or all the way through, um, a learning and growth mindset is key. You can't sit there going, you know what, I know everything nice to know about digital, I'm sorted. Um, got to keep learning, got to keep trying things, got to keep testing, encourage your teams to learn and test and try things because that's how they'll get better. Um, and even if something doesn't work, make sure there's a takeaway there. There might be a little bit of code that you then applying that becomes the next big thing and might be out of a massive campaign one little section of it drove good traffic or drove good ROI and that's where you go the next time around you capitalise on. Um, <clears throat> in this sort of day and age how do we go about getting the right digital staff because it's, it, it's not easy. Um, you must find people with digital knowledge and the ability and willingness to learn, to keep learning. Again, people can come in with a great background, great CV, but if they're stuck in their ways, they're probably not going to help you too long in the long run. If you've got a very specific role, that might be fine, or a very specific campaign you need help on, that might be fine. But if you don't see something in them, that they're going to keep going, driving the change, you're going to keep up with, um, with this kind of wild west world of new social media platforms, new ways of consuming media. You really need to kind of make sure you've got that kind of fire in their eye, wellness to learn. Um, I would say from experience, like not just my own experience, but people in various industries that I've chatted to over the last few years, be very wary of people that talk the talk, because it's easy to talk the talk. We can all read a few blog posts before an interview and sound like you're the king. Um, but you need to look for that track record of implementing and delivering. And again, as much as this and speed of the will give us some headaches, it also means there's nowhere to hide. If someone comes in, whether they're a designer, a copywriter, a PPC guy, a digital marketing guy, what asking that they've done, you can look at that website and either yourself or someone else in the team can make a pretty good assessment as to how good or bad it is. It's, it's there for everyone to see. Um, obviously, you get a bit cute about, oh yes, I did that, all that website, and really it was a team of folk, and they did, they moved the I in the second page of the website or something, but it kind of, it gives you a very good idea of what's possible. So always look for, for, um, for backup and examples of your work, and if, if they're as good as they say they are, it should be there, they should have a track record of doing it. Um, which leads on to, right, again, sign of the times for sort of junior hires or people getting into digital or digital marketing for the first time, whether it's digital marketing or front-end developer, back-end developer. This may be a little bit controversial considering who's putting on the event, but I would say a CV is almost worthless because yeah, you want to check that you've got some level of education and they can spell their CV properly. But I always ask new staff or junior staff, get me a website you've worked on, show me a social media 
channel that you've worked on for your sports club or um, a charity, and that's probably more important than a two-one degree. I interviewed a girl that came from a very good university, two-one degree in marketing. Said, right, what well, we've got a, a fictional <coughs> bourbon brand. What would you do digitally to market this brand? And the answer I got back was, uh, um, Facebook and stuff. And that's someone come out of one of the best universities in Scotland. The flip side to that coin, interviewed a developer, phoned him up, but he phoned up the day before the interview, oh, can I bring anything along? I was like, yes, you uh, send a link to a website you've done, because he was designer, website guy. Because, um, okay, I've got a website I've done, but I've not, it's not quite finished. Can I work on it to make sure you tomorrow? And Ron came in with that website. It was like a, it looked like a bus couch, but he'd made a website overnight that was most of the way there. So straight away, I know that he's capable of learning new things. He's um, got a bit of a, a bit of enthusiasm to do it. So it, it's little things like that. And digital university and colleges can't keep up with digital marketing. The textbooks just aren't worth the people they're written on. So it's the people that are out there doing it. Young guys that are, guys and girls that are just out there doing digital that may not even realise they're doing digital. They might just be making videos or designing things for their pals. But actually they're really, really good and they're probably doing things in a way that people that have been in the business for a long time wouldn't even think of. So for us, it's people that aren't, have been in the business for a while, it's about finding those people and harnessing that sort of, Enthusiasm, different way of working it, getting them out, giving them a good, um, a good environment to work on, and also give them the benefit of that more traditional sort of marketing approach or development approach. So, you know, just a, a target market, who are we talking to, tone of voice. If you can kind of beat that into them, they will already probably know the digital stuff and get better and just keep them on target with the business side of things and the marketing side of things. Um, in conclusion, um, digital is moving so quick. All I can say is look at your cash from helmet and get ready to keep up. Um, tap into the worldwide knowledge base that is growing and expanding every second. In a sense, it really is that easy. You can just see what's going on and take the very best stuff. I'll take a little kernel from the very best stuff that's going on and apply it to your company, apply it to your campaigns. Um, never stand still, you must be ready to learn and adapt. Um, don't be afraid to fail in digital projects, but make sure nothing goes to waste in terms of the team, the methodology, the approach, um, and find the right people to, to help you succeed. Any questions? When do you see the marketing in the next two years? The next two years, none of the big stuff's probably going to go away. PPC search, all good. Um, you hear people talk about content marketing, which basically is, will get bigger in the next two years. A lot of people think will get better at it. Um, so content marketing kind of sits in the middle between search engine optimization, traditional having a nice website and social media. Um, so uh, a very simple example of content marketing would be an infographic. So 
see the Royal Bank of Scotland pushing out the graphic out about the next budget, looking at various stats and figures. The graphic's quite appealing to the eye, easy to digest. That infographic would maybe sit on the, on the website, then get pushed out on social media. It would have search engine optimization benefits. It would, it would be good for the users because the user would feel they're getting something out of the website. So I think there'll be more and more of that over the next couple of years. Um, video is changing, I think, and will become quite big over the next couple of years in terms of if you look at vloggers and YouTube stars. Um, already a lot of big corporates are trying to sort of capitalising these vloggers, like people of a certain generation will watch YouTube instead of watching the telly, um, and whether it's makeup or fashion based or even tech based, there's ways to either produce that sort of video content yourself or look to do partnerships with people that are already very popular in that sort of space, I mean, so it's the followers and the viewership. Um, if you can make a video and you put it on your website and if three people see it, you've essentially wasted your time. But if you put out a video and it gets syndicated to lots of other websites, you do a partnership with some bloggers that have got hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and you throw a little bit of ad spend at it, um, you can do paid advertising through YouTube and probably get a click for about four or five pence, or between four or five pence and up to ten pence. So you can get your advert in quite in front of quite a lot of people. Um, but it's more the, the next couple of years it's probably more about tying everything together. Um, because not, I mean, nothing's ever sat in its own with digital marketing, but if you you really need to kind of get the maximum benefit benefit from it. I think Snapchat will become over the next year will probably get bigger and either it, so at the end of that year it will either keep getting bigger or it will start to die off, which is a bit of a kind of annoying answer, but it's 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 growing just now. Some people are getting a lot of success with it. Um, whether it keeps going, I don't know. Um, and then again, you're in that situation where who knows what's going to happen in the next, within that next two years that we need to kind of jump on Vine and Periscope. Vine's kind of away now, but Periscope, again, some people that jumped on that straight away are getting really quite good results out of it, but it's, it's again, it's been flexible and not been scared to, to try things, even if they might fail, and you might. Um, Periscope, well, if you jumped on that straight away, you can build up a really good following. Um, and after a couple of years, I thought, like Vine, so Vine, got huge, everyone did Vine, kind of the nature of it, everyone felt Vine was the best thing ever for about two months and then <laughs> sat, <laughs> yeah, I've done it, I've done six seconds today, um, so you might have invested in that situation with your time or team, had a good year out it and then if it starts to drop off you need to be ready to go, well you know what, we learned some good things there, we'll let that lie and move on to something else. Snapchat's not going to work for me. Is there a data source of anything that they can find out if people that they are trying to sell to what um, what lines of social networking are most popular with? 
Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's the beauty of the internet, there's lots of people, like, all the social channels will put out their own version of those figures, so you can kind of take a view based on that, and various people at e-consultancy will pull together everything and provide their take on it. There's a lot of kind of, like, tech and digital marketing bloggers will, again, have their own nice ideas. Of course, no one really knows it all varies, but you will be able to kind of build up a picture of where it's at. I mean, I think the fastest growing demographic on Facebook is the over 50s. Um, and I know people that are very, very sharp and into Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, they are pulling away from Facebook because, the, the, to paraphrase, now that my mum's on Facebook, it's dead to me. Uh, but the, the, that age group is definitely growing in Facebook, like, and it is, it's, it's the mums that want to keep up with their nephews in Australia and, and whatnot. So all that information is usually out there. It won't be perfect, so that's you need to kind of take a bit of a sort of measured view and you'll be able to get a pretty good idea. If not, it may not be definitive, but if you look at three or four data sources, you should get a pretty good idea of what's the best channel for, for your business or your target market. There's also another kind of something that wasn't covered. There's quite digital can really help us like make new business decisions and scope opportunity using something like Google's keyword research tool and um, Google Trends tool and things like Twitter hashtags and Facebook hashtags. Now to you can get an idea of what's what's on people's mind, what people are talking about and consuming, you can, you can use um, well, Google Analytics as well, if every analytics package you using your website, if you're an international business, you can use, you can look at that data that's coming in and say, right, well, this year we're maybe going to expand into one European country. You can look at your Google Analytics and say, right, well, we're getting more traffic from France than we are from Germany, therefore let's go for, let's go for France for an international expansion or a one sales rep or a, we do one European trade show this year, what country will it be in? So you can get that kind of starter information from Google Analytics, then you can use social media to verify that. You can go on LinkedIn and message a few people in that industry in France and Germany, see what kind of response you get back, um, and then start to sort of build up your decision from there. So there's lots of keyword research as well. So if you've got a new product or a new product line, you can put into Google that term or a number of terms around the potential new product and see how many people every month are searching for it in every country of the world. So again, you think, well, do we do product A, do we do product B? So a whole host of data being used to make that final decision, but if there's 10 times more people searching for product A than there is for product B, you might think, well, you know what, product B is the way to go. And you can also look at this uh, the competitive nature between product A and product B. You know what, if we get our SEO right and market it always in PPC and content marketing, we'll probably in the first page for product B in six months. Product A, it's, it's Amazon, Argus, all the big players are there, so that's, but digitally that's not going to be a good stream of income for us. So there's lots of, kind of, there's lots of data out there that you can interpret and use to sort of help make sort of more informed traditional business decisions as well. What about for businesses who are in you know, <coughs> exports, like stocks in China is a, a big, um, a big business, a lot of businesses in Scotland, but yeah. there's a lot of 
social networking sites that aren't available out there. How do you get around that knowledge and marketing you really need boots in the ground for China, um, for from whatever way you want to do it. Like obviously to kind of actually get your business established, you need to go over there and deal with that. You actually need to do it effectively. You pretty much need to get a digital marketing team in China that will they basically work. Google's censored, Facebook's banned. They've got their own little ecosystem and it's not really very easy or possible for people to hack into that, or not hack, but kind of break into that from a European point of view. Um, in terms of China as a market and attracting business from China, relatively, one of our clients is a, a high-end private hospital in London, so they're working some stuff just now to have, and we've also got a, 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 a we do all this, we work for a very high-end design and brand agency in London as well, so we're working on their site, so there's Chinese pages on the website, so if someone's searching in China for that service in London, which they do because London is the sort of one of the business centres of the world, people can read that there's Chinese sections of the website, it's all there, it makes sense, it's culturally, culturally right for Chinese market, um, so there's and also the money in China now, like more billionaires than anywhere else. There's good pay businesses. There's that sort of inward trade is a good idea, and something's probably only going to grow as well. It varies. Some some people get really, really good traction with Facebook advertising. Um, you can get a much better cost per click from Facebook than you can often from from Google. Um, from ex it does vary, but from experience, the quality of traffic doesn't usually work out. Um, where Facebook does work quite well is that sort of integrated approach. Um, in my mind, social media, social media that's purely social and digital doesn't really work anymore. If you've got a real world thing that you promote socially and you can interact with people, that is kind of where we see a lot of people doing well, just now a lot of companies doing well. And then with Facebook advertising is a big part of that, that kind of just whatever that message is, whether it's an event, an award show or a a bloggers event or whatever it is, putting it out on Facebook and boosting it with ads to make sure a lot of people in a very sort of tight demographic are seeing it, helps that sort of snowball effect and it will get more people at the event, you can talk to people, but again you've got to back it up with, with organic sort of outreach to the rights of people on Facebook and, and, get, like, and actually be social on social media, so if someone me messages your event page or your page, actually get back to them with something useful. Um, and the ads are a, are a big part of that. If you just go and say, right, we've got, we're going to spend 10 grand on Facebook ads and we want to get 40 grand of sales, that's very difficult. For some things it's probably possible, but only if you've got a brand around it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of no, no golden bullet answer, but it definitely is useful, especially if you've already got an established brand and especially if you're doing cool interesting stuff that you just want to amplify. I mean, clearly 
it's important that um, everybody is going digital in terms of their marketing and communications. However, I think it does expose companies to any kind of risks. Mm-hmm. The rams with, you know, my apples from Tesco where I was rubbish, I'm going to put a photo of them on Facebook and tweet it and, and everything like that. So what, what do you think organisations should be doing to mitigate against these sorts of risks in digital? I mean, have a very clear strategy. If something goes wrong, have a, a an escalation policy in place. So if it's just a, oh, my apple wasn't great, that maybe gets a wee tweet back. Oh, terribly sorry. If it was a spider jumped out the bag of apples and bit my hand, it's a whole different thing. But have that policy. It's for different for bigger companies. It's worth having employing people that that know that inside out. It's a customer service digitally. It's a bit different. Like, sometimes you don't want to feel the flames, so you just say, well, well, direct messages and we'll sort it out terribly sorry. Other times you need to kind of lay out the side of the story a little bit more, so it's, having someone with the experience that's done that will help, but having a clear policy that A, B, C, D, E, whatever the situation was, was that followed, yes or no? If it wasn't forward, someone's in bother. If it was forward, most things should should go away. Um, as an example, like B&Q, on their, they basically have turned their Twitter into a call centre operation with eight people at any one time, man their Twitter account. So dealing with everything from what colour of paint would go best with this room, a picture of a room, and someone will go and give them some ideas to what time do you open, what time I've had this the forklift fell over and landed my leg, but there's eight people around the clock manning that, so that's how seriously they take it and how seriously, depending on your business, you should think about taking Based on what's traditionally happened to other social media platforms as they matured, that's a very real possibility, I think. Um, Has the social media platform become publicly owned and profit-generated, profit-driven? There's that pressure on for growth, so how do we get from 100 million users to 200 million users? If we just get everyone that's in that 25 to 35-year-old bracket, we'll hit up 200 users. 200 million users, the, the investors will be happy. Um, at what point it becomes that becomes disingenuous to the brand and the sort of usefulness of it wears off. I don't know. Um, it's probably doing so well for that younger demographic is because they know their mum's never going in Snapchat for obvious reasons. Uh, so it's hard to tell. It, it, it probably will. Overall, it might not be a good thing for the brand or people using it effectively to market to that sort of younger market at the moment. Just keeping on Snapchat, mm-hmm. there's many uh, industry sectors that have worked particularly well with campaigns. Um, it works well for sort of semi-consumable youth products. Um, what the fast food guys have used it quite well. Um, 
I know there's there's guys in Glasgow that I do a little bit of work with that do the Scottish Fitness and Nutrition Expo. They're doing really well on Snapchat. But a lot they're essentially working in that sort of fitness market. So it's like it's gym selfies, we string vests, uh, protein shake, diet. So they're getting really good traction, but really good interaction with people. Like, I think it's important now or where social media is going is people used to measure the success of social media by fans or tweets or retweets, which is all kind of views and the, 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 the video view on Facebook's a big sort of red herring to a degree because all these things are kind of meaningless unless they make you money or improve the position of your brand or either improve your brand or move people down the sort of buying process. So I think the important thing to, now in this next two years is to think about actual metrics for your social media campaign, which should be sort of probably more real world metrics, like actually starting valid conversations with either opinion makers or customers. And, and that's what the, the, the Scottish Fitness and Nutrition Expo guys are doing. They're kind of creating all this buzz, lots of people are sharing it. They've got a kind of network of ambassadors. So that any message they put out gets amplified quite well naturally. And, and then gym owners are seeing it, people with brands are seeing it. They're kind of, they're, they're goal, if you like, is to get people contacting them and saying, oh, I'd like to take a stand at five grand or ten grand. So by kind of having enough of the right people constantly Snapchatting about their cool things in there, they could different people like all these experts talking at the at their previous expo, so they've got this great content. And so they are kind of positioning themselves as experts above the experts because they're bringing them all together. Other people in that space see all that kind of amplification buzz about people, well, you know what, I need to I need to be involved in that show the next time it's on and they're, they're selling exhibition space off it and growing awareness and ultimately selling more tickets. So it's um yeah, but it's, it's definitely like a brave new world in Snapchat as well. Like there's probably stuff that people are doing now that's working really well but they're, they're keeping it under their hat. Um so it's definitely kind of worth experimenting with and giving it a good old try. Does any of your clients just use SEO and does it work for the SEO absolutely works, it absolutely drives traffic. Um, it, you can have all this big, especially if it's a big website, like a huge website, SEO is a job, the, the SEO of that website is a job in itself because websites now are dynamic and moving, you're adding content, you're adding products. If you don't keep on top of this, the technical stuff, on a day-to-day -day basis, you can lose traffic, um, and it's about monitoring that and getting that traffic back. Um, and then there's, there's always opportunity. There's no websites ever fully optimised, um, whether it's areas of content, like of how-to content, helpful content, or just product areas in a website that haven't been optimised. There's always scope um, to do it better. And what Google wants to see is changing all the time. Um, what worked five years ago doesn't work now. What worked seven years ago is positively dangerous to your website now. So it's about having that sort of um, just been right on top of it basically. And like it's traffic, SEO traffic or traffic from natural search still is probably the most trusted medium of traffic. And PPC ads, people kind of know it's an ad and they're a little bit suspicious. So if someone goes to trouble of opening up a computer or tablet, typing in whatever hotels in Glasgow, 
they're personally and psychologically invested in that search. And so if it comes back in the first page of Google, they've found that themselves. Now, it's not really because Google's done it and by making a great website with great content and good technical SEO, you've kind of made sure you're up there above your competitors. But they come to the website really keen and ready to buy and they think they've done it all themselves. Um, and there's also like great value in long tail SEO traffic, which comes back to great content and producing a lot of content on the website that helps solve people's problems. It's little kind of long string keywords that you probably don't even think about, probably don't show up in terms of search volume, but if someone clicks through in that term, you're bloody sure they're ready to buy because it's so special as a hotel in Glasgow with spa and Japanese restaurant. If someone has that specific requirement and you can fulfill that in your site, that's sort of top to bottom level, so well optimised that you come up in the first page for that, they're pretty much going to buy there and then see that ROI is high. Um, and it also, again, it, it feeds it like good SEO, good national search traffic. More people get to your site, if you get your site optimised, you'll get more email sign-ups, you'll get more social media sign-ups. Um, part of good SEO strategies putting out great content, whether it's infographic or white papers or videos, the more if you do that through your SEO process, it then makes your social media campaigns a bit easier if you get something really cool to talk about. The more people see what you're doing, you build up that brand equity in it. So, as well as having very measurable traffic, sales, leads, metrics to SEO, there's a, a, a lot of kind of fuzzier benefits to your social media, to your brand. So it's, it's very much still a key part of the game.